1: And now, your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
2: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today is Tell Del Tuesday, and we have another great guest with us here. We have Terry Cantwell out of um, North Bend, Washington. That's the state Washington. And uh, we're happy to have him here. Terry,
3: welcome to the show. Well, good morning, Bill. Thanks for having me on.
2: Uh, I want to get into the inspiration that you had to get into this stuff from the beginning. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself before you got into real estate, before you found Lifestyles, what you were doing, because you did quite a bit of traveling, it looks like, for your job or whatever. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into the inspiration that got you started.
3: Dale. I started out a um, CNC machinist and um, been doing that pretty much all my life. About the age of 40, I uh, got a permanent migrant visa to Australia, lived there for two years, where I uh, worked for Panavision Australia making uh, components for movie cameras. Then I decided to come back to the States and uh, moved around a bit, wound up at Boeing for the last 13 years. And um, was looking at retirement, and as I was coming home, I'd be driving home, I'd listen to you on the radio, and um, it just kept on. It really just like held me, and um, I was thinking, "Wow, if I could do this in five years or less, that would be really great." As opposed to my original plan of working till I was seventy and maxing out Social Security.
2: So let's get a little more information because uh, I've not had you on the show before. Are you married or single? I'm married. Kids?
3: Um, I'm a stepfather of two fine boys. Uh, one's about 39. The other one's about 31. And um, they're both out of the house, and we've got a 80-pound yellow lab.
2: <laughs> I laugh. I wish we had one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> we have many. All right. So uh, moving along here now, um, it, it's interesting to me that you went to Australia, then you came back, then you worked here for 13 years, and then something stimulated you to start thinking about retirement. What age was that? What age are you now, and we can back back into it or whatever?
3: Well, today I'm 64, and um, I was always saying, like, uh, if I could have gone out at 55, I would have, but money just wasn't there. And um, I'd always been diligent on... uh, using the 401k plans, and um, you know, spent my 20s in night school and worked with a couple of financial planners. And I said, uh, I was about 16, I said, well, what would happen if I went out today? He said, well, you'd have 35,000 a year and you'd be uh, out of money by the time you're about you know, 77. I was like, well, my father lived to 89, my mother 92. I just said, this is unacceptable. I said, I've got to find something else. <laughs>
2: Well, the, uh, the obvious something else is uh, you can work longer.
3: Yeah, but, um, you know, when you're doing, you know, you're blue-collar, you're doing, like, physical labor, Where a lot of times with my job it would be, you know, using a crane, putting material on hooks, and putting them on a machine. Just 64, I was getting pretty beat up, and I said, there isn't going to be very much left in me. I said, I might just retire and, you know, just... I have to be content to sit in a chair because my body
2: was shot, you know. Hey, I can relate to that. At 64 years of age myself, um, I've done many shows about how the body changes radically for past age 50. And I've always asked people, how can you work like that that hard? I've always, always wondered how people could work that hard at an age. I'm finding it just that hard just to get up and get excited about, you know, moving around. So that's an interesting point. Let's go back here now, because you've done a lot. I'm trying to add up these numbers in my head here. It looks like over 500, maybe 600, between 500 and 600 units in just a short period of time, joined up in 2019. Yeah. Uh, so that that's quite a bit of a blast right there. You really moved in and moved in fast. Let's talk. Let's go back to the, the conversation with the financial planner. Let me be a fly on the wall in that conversation, and then what did you and the wife talk about after that?
3: really just that we had to find another way just said that this is crazy um i had a full cnc machine shop in my garage and i was working on an invention and i was thinking well if i can if i can make this invention i'm thinking of work you know i could make you know i could make a lot of money but um the truth of matter is what you find out is if you go and you make your own invention the hard part making the invention is the easy part and um I was just running out of time. I just said, you know, this this just isn't going to work. So I said, I, I looked at it and I said, real estate works so well, it's made so many millionaires. I said, uh, i got to give this a try. And my wife was reluctant to get started in that, but I uh, more or less dragged her to the meeting and that. And um, she bought into it.
2: Yeah, it's, um Always interesting to see how the other half of the family uh, picks up on something that you lit up on. So as you got into this thing, what was your first response when you came out? Came to the two-day seminar? Did you have a, an aha moment there?
3: Yes. Um, at the end of the first day of the two-day seminar, I was looking at it, and I just said, I want to do this. And um, so I had a... <coughs> A home equity line of credit, and I can move some money around it so I could come up with the 20000 to become a passive investor. Because um, just at my age, I just really wasn't, didn't want to take on the task of going single family and building up. And I had, you know, pretty good reserves put away in my 401k plan. So I said, let's approach this, go to be passive investors and between Social Security, small Boeing pension, and uh, the distributions from the lifestyles. I'm going to have a pretty good life in retirement.
2: And so you took action. How long did it take you before you um, purchased your first investment?
3: Oh, let's see. How long would that be? Um, it was just under a year, I think, because I believe I joined in May. And there's there's a bit of coursework to becoming a passive investor. You really have to edu- educate yourself. I'd, I'd say it's, it's roughly equivalent to about four or five credit hours college course and um, you know it took took a lot of time. you know a lot of time to do it sit in my office and that um, and then came time to uh, you know do the stuff with getting in contact with the uh, with the lead investors and um, it got kind of frustrating for a while because also sudden I found myself uh, saying you know gee when am I gonna get a deal I sent all these letters out and nobody's responding but uh, I go to the, uh, the events and people said, don't worry, Terry. Pretty soon you're going to have more deals and you've got money. And uh, it pretty pretty much seems to be that way. It's funny how it
2: happens so, like that, doesn't it? It really is. Because it takes a while for all the, the effort that you put out to turn around. But once it does and you get on all those lists, and man, you're turning stuff down every day. I just I get emails every single day. It blows my mind. So um, wow. when you decided to do this and you decided you were going to go after a uh, passive deal I see the people you invested with you've got some good lead investors there which did you think was more important uh, the deal or the lead investor as you went looking
3: i absolutely the lead investor you know because um, something I've learned whether a person is a high output person or a low output person um have like high output people and low output people in any organization it turns out that they're both dealing with the same situations there's it's pretty rare that you say well somebody just always gets into a, a bad situation that generally the high output people are always high output
2: yeah so not exactly. only the high output they get it done
3: exactly that's the the, the, uh, the caliber of the lead investor is the most important thing without question
2: okay um, the deals that you got into, let me see. Well, we don't have time to go. Enough. My next question for you when we come back To the deals that you've gotten into. Uh, I take it there's four big ones. Um, I want to just talk about what type of deals they were and what the expectations were for them once they start paying. So we'll pick that up when we get back. For the rest of you out there, hang in here. We're going to talk with Terry Cantwell about his four Real estate transactions that brought him almost uh, 600 units. We'll be right back with the Del Wonsley Radio Show.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Talk 1370. The right choice. Welcome back. Now, here's some
1: more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Dal Wamsley.
2: Welcome back to the Dell Radio Show. With me here today is Terry Cantwell out of uh, North Bend, Washington. And uh, he currently has purchased into four different deals. He's only been with us about a year, a little over a year. And he jumped right in and got started and purchased four really nice deals coming right out of the blocks. So um, as we look at this thing here now, Terry, uh, the first deal you jumped in with, what was it about that deal that you liked?
3: Well, um that would be with uh Brian Sutton mm-hmm. and um yeah, Two Waters Capital and uh just struck me as very professional. He'd had a long, you know, uh been in several deals and uh a great performer. I think I'd heard him on the radio show and that and um uh, he's you know, he sent me an email and said, uh I've got a deal. Are you interested? And um, I absolutely went for it and it's See, you know, you get a lot of good information when, you know, these uh, deals come through as to the area, you know, how much employment is around there, and that, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, this would be a good place to buy because the people that um, will be running will probably have decent jobs.
2: So you went from Alabama to uh, Houston for your next purchase. And uh, what were your thought processes as you started investing? It looks like you've been in, I'm just going to name them off, Mobile, Alabama, Houston, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, and San Antonio, Texas. Uh, quite a diversified portfolio. What is your thought? Was that intentional or that just what happened to come up to you while you were first looking?
3: It is what came up, but um, I wouldn't want to be invested all in one city. It would make more sense to move your money around. And that, um, and you know, especially you know, with what happened with the COVID, with the COVID crisis too, that was uh, been a factor because you know the way that we, the way things are done with lifestyles coming in and buying an underperforming property, and um, and you know, getting rid of the, uh, the non-paying people, improving the, the property. Uh, COVID really put a. A wrench in the works
2: on that for a lot of people. Well, it definitely, uh, put a wrench in the ability to turn properties around. I mean, when they're not letting you uh, evict people, uh, you obviously can't get rid of the bad tenants and put in the new ones. So that process point had to have been slowed over the last eight months, uh, yes. tremendously. Right. So I think that's, I've, I've got that... one, pro- I've
3: got one property, though, that's totally unaffected. Really? Yeah. Everybody's paying. And, um, uh, they even got a waiting list for the, uh, ones
2: that are being improved. Yeah, it's amazing, there are quite a few of them actually that that it didn't affect them very much at all, and some of them are actually doing better. Um, They just happen to be at the right place in the transition that allowed for them to fill back up after they'd emptied it out before it got to the point where you couldn't empty them out. So um, as you moved on here, you you filled up your portfolio. Now I want to try to get some transition uh, access here for our listeners. Uh, because the way you told the story uh, in your resume I'm not that clear on so let's talk about these two transitional points if you could share with us you said that you went in you you got in and you um, invested in these four properties you also said you had a quite a large chunk in your 401k Uh, and I don't know if you used that money to get into these deals or not but then you also said later your company gave you the opportunity to step away and get bailed out of there, and uh, which yeah. would have given you more money and more access to your 401k. Can you kind of walk everybody through as to how you funded these four properties and your transition from where you were when you started to the point you are now? Just timeline kind of thing of what you did.
3: Yes. Um, on the first property, I, uh, I pulled some money out of a uh, qualified IRA I had. Um, that was outside of outside of Boeing, and um, so that you know that raised my taxable income substantially for uh, for 2019. And um, I also, uh, you know, my mother passed away, and uh, I inherited a little money that was invested. And um, but the uh, the one that you advised me to do, um, I did a cash out refi of my home, which gave me about an extra $180,000 that I could take and invest, and that was a non-taxable event. So I was able to put that money to work. And um, so right now I've got about $350,000 uh, in four deals, and uh, I've got to um, be looking at selling my home. Contractors are in here right now. And uh, I've also got the uh, all my Boeing 401 pay money um, which is about a quarter million dollars, that uh, I'll be pulling that out. Um, you know, but the timing's going to have to be correct on that for um, um, just for tax reasons right now. Yeah, my- are, are,
2: are you still working now, or have, you, have they given you the uh, severance yet?
3: Yeah. Oh, they gave me the severance check October 2nd. I went out. It was a voluntary layoff, and they gave me one week of pay for uh, every year of service. And, uh, so that was just a super deal. And, uh, that was good because they're going to have to cut some serious meat around there with, uh, everything that's happened. And, uh, it was better that, uh, if I went out, the young, some of the younger people could stay. And I planned on going out in March anyway. So, you know, it, it, that, that opportunity just came at the perfect time.
2: You know, they say, um, Luck is proper preparation meets opportunity. What do you think of that statement in your life?
3: So true. So true, Dell. It's um, you know that being having yourself mentally prepared, thinking, well, if I had the money or this opportunity came along at the right time, I could do this or that. And as what I call it, I say, you know, you gotta be ready to pull the trigger. And um So, you you know, you have yourself, you know, ready for these opportunities to take advantage of them when they come along. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Luck is when preparation and opportunity meet. No
2: doubt. So, um, right now, you still got more money you're working with. You're just timing it all right now. You've got to get through the the timing of the taxation. You've also are working around um, the change in your lifestyle. What is change in your lifestyle? Because I was reading all the stuff you're doing. You're like it's like they'd let a rabid dog out, you know, <laughs> get out there and play.
3: <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, okay. I, uh, I took the volunteer layoff October 2nd and, uh, we dove right into, uh, doing a, a rehab of my house and, uh, to it for the sale. So, uh, right now we're, the exterior is fine, but the interior just needed a whole paint from top to bottom and, uh, new carpeting and probably some remodeling in the kitchen. And, um, uh, more or less following the single-family uh, single, uh, single family, uh, strategy of uh, lifestyles of pretty much fix everything and uh, put it on the market. Well, I mean, it, with lifestyles, you go and you rent it, but I'm just going to fix everything and then put this house in the market and uh, get in the RV and go down the road. <laughs>
2: Well, having said, go down the road. We're going to pick that up when we come back to the other side of the of the break here, because uh, we've got a lot to talk about on that end of it. We'll be right back here with Terry Cantwell and the Del Wamsley Radio Show.
0: Talk thirteen seventy. Now here's
1: some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time. Del Wamsley.
2: Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today is Terry Cantwell. Out of uh, North Bend, Washington. And uh, he's got four apartment complexes between 500 and 600 units. I can't get the exact number here unless I get out my calculator. And uh, he's sharing his story with us. He just joined about a year, let's see, May of 19. So a little over a year with us now. And uh, he's already at the point where his uh, company uh, had offered him an opportunity to take early retirement. And he felt like he was in the position that that could be accomplished, and so Terry, uh, you jumped out of the you jumped out of the deal out of the company, and immediately started working on your house. I think it's a unique story. I'd like to hear your side of it because I've seen it many, many, many times—the exact same story. You're about to tell, of course, yours is personal. Of what you plan to do once you sell that house.
3: Oh well, we're just gonna get in our. Uh RV, my wife and the dog and I, and uh, our plan is to head south to get some warmer weather because I'm just going to give skiing a miss this year. It's kind of hard to ski out of the RV and we'll be full-time in the RV and uh, looking around America and figuring out uh, just where do we want to live? You know, I'm leaning towards a mountain state, but uh, we'll have to see what happens. Oh, got some family
2: like you know I, well, I don't right. know if you ever heard Johnny Lama Ridgeway who used to be on the radio with me but he's one of our consultants for many years about 10 years uh, he yeah. took to to a motor home and took off and never came back and we've got two or three four other really prominent people that you know just said I'm hanging it up I'm on the road what's the allure of just taking off and seeing the countryside? on the road like that.
3: So um, I guess it's just very relaxing. I think, you know, that, um, you go to a place and you say, gee, this is beautiful. You know, it's, uh, we found places that, uh, you could stay, get full hookup and meet people that are, you know, full timing it, and that. That could be as much as a hundred dollars a night. And then we found, uh, other places that were run by, uh, the department of forest management. And, um, it was like, you know, $20 a night if you're, if you're over 65, 10. And uh, it's not a lot of facilities there, but, uh, you know, it's so quiet, so peaceful. It's just a um, really wonderful way to be that you find yourself, uh, you don't really need uh, television. I found myself with my Kindle uh, reading The Richest Man in Babylon and uh, just uh, just enjoying the time.
2: You don't have one of those uh, <laughs> satellite dishes on the top of your va- van that turns around in circles and you watch TV no matter where you're at.
3: Um, not really a priority with me. <laughs> uh, I enjoy it when I'm home and that, but um, I'm also happy to get away from it for a while. You know, that's. Uh, but you never know. Um, I, I could I could go a little more upmarket on my RV. That could happen.
2: Well, you're quite the outdoor guy. Have you always been the outdoor guy?
3: Yeah, pretty much. Um, You know, I just uh, started skiing when I was about 12 years old, and you know, riding bicycles and you know motorcycles, and did some sailing and that, and uh, just really do do love being in the outdoors. Probably because I've always worked inside, (laughs) on like a. You know, kind of like a dark, uh, dirty, noisy environment. So, when I, get done, when I get done with work, I really liked being outside.
2: I saw somewhere in this thing that you had competed in both sailing and motorcycles or something. What what kind of That's competitions? Right.
3: Oh yeah, I. It was all at an amateur level. Um, I raced motor. I rode raced motorcycles for about eight seasons, and um, thing was, you know, I was at the amateur club level and I was pretty much stuck in third place. So, you know, once I got to about uh thirty one I just said it's time to stop doing this, you know, and I had a couple injuries along the way. And um competitive sailing out of uh Buffalo, New York on uh you know, on different racing boats for about ten years and that was just a lot of fun that every Wednesday night you'd go out there and you'd get on Lake Erie and see the Buffalo skyline behind you and um, just really focus on making the boat go fast, and it was really quite enjoyable. I'm glad I, so glad I did it.
2: How about the wife? If you get out there with that kind of stuff with you, um, pardon me. Does the wife do those sports with you, or just by yourself?
3: Oh well, my wife, she's not really, uh, not really big on the skiing and that, but she loves to paint. So uh, what we end up doing is uh, we go someplace and. I might go out and go skiing with a dog and or, uh, you know, go out riding on a motorcycle and that. And uh, we just set her up with her easel at a nice spot, and she uh, paints a landscape or, you know, paints somebody's dog and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, she, she's really happy with that. It's We've we got a nice mix that way.
2: I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to ask you, how do you go skiing with your dog? Explain that
3: one to me. Oh, oh, it's, it's a sport called ski jogging which uh, roughly translates, I think, from Norwegian, called ski driving. And um, you put a harness on the dog and a harness on yourself, and um, you've got to have voice control over the dog. So, you know, once the dog masters a couple of basic uh, commands of, like, you know, go forward, slow down, left, right, and uh, that um, I skate ski on a trail, and he, and he pulls me. <laughs> It's, what, it, it's
2: a lot what of does that mean road. skate ski? what is that just uh, small one foot or skis or how's it?
3: Oh okay skate skis are um they're a cross country ski they're uh, very narrow, a little shorter and that and you kind of do like a skating action where you uh push the ski like kind of like in a diagonal way behind you <laughs> just like you know how a nice skater loses yeah, ski. yeah,
2: you I do, understand
3: do, yeah, do the same thing with cross country skis you know
2: do you have poles? Uh,
3: oh yes. Yes,
2: absolutely. And you make and you make that poor dog pull you up. Huh?
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm, skate, I'm skating behind him, but uh, he uh, he's pretty excited to go.
2: Honestly, I, I bet that video. dog loves it. Huh? I bet the dog just goes crazy for that.
3: He's pretty happy. He's pretty happy. He's a he's an energetic guy, and I the thing is that uh, you got to have a dog that's energetic enough to pull you, but uh, also willing uh, to obey some commands, which is uh, it really takes a lot of a lot of time and dedication. I, My neighbors thought I was crazy because I uh, was training them and I'd have them dragging a 4x4 four four down the road with a harness while I ran next to them yelling commands, you know, and uh, they'd see me with a dog going down the street <laughs> <laughs> in the dark.
2: <laughs> I can see them. Bobby's doing it again. You need to call the yeah. cops. He's torturing yeah. that poor dog. I can see it now. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So now that now that you got this time again, you got all this time off. What do you see as the you know the greatest accomplishment and goal for the rest of your life? How do you see that? Do you have a plan for the what I call now after reading a book that I just started reading? It's called the third uh, section of your life. You know, we we did the school section up to the twenties. Uh, we did the work section through the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and now we're in our 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's the third section, third segment of our life. It's a you know a different season. What is your greatest goal for the third season of your life?
3: To stay healthy. The most important thing, because without your health, you really you don't have a whole lot. And that's been my focus. I just love getting up in the morning my stretching routine eating breakfast and uh, then I go out and I exercise the dog and that and uh, you know it's just that's just something that's so important to it is to me anyway and um, that's what I look forward to that now instead of getting getting up at um, you know um, 4 a.m in the morning and that to go to work um, now I am now I'm able to uh, Sleep until about six. Take my time. Do a little uh, calisthenic routine, and then get on with my day.
2: Do you uh, do any cardiovascular work?
3: Yeah, that would uh, come in with that would come in with the skiing and that, and um, the bicycling, and that. And you know, that's one of those things. Of I just wish I had more time to do more of that. <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I hear I just uh, I, I'm the same age, sixty four, and I just read this book, and I, you know I thought I was going to live to sixty five because no man in my me- life, none of my family members lived past that, so that was my goal. But now that I know I'm there and I'm alive and I'm still healthy, um, I've started picking up a lot of cardiovascular work as opposed to weight, heavy weight training, and so forth. Because you know, again, we're just looking for the fitness and the health and so on and so forth. Hey, we're going to take a short break now, okay? and we'll come back and finish this up after that break. We'll be right back with the uh, Terry Cantwell and the Del Wamsley Radio Show.
1: Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time. Del Wamsley.
2: Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today is that Terry Cantwell out of, uh, what is it, North Bend, Washington. And um, Terry is recently retired. He only joined Lifestyles a year and, year and a half ago or so. And he recently is taking a retirement package and getting ready to take on the world, travel around his RV uh, until he and the wife decide where they want to settle down. Um, as you get ready for all this and you set yourself up, what, what types of things... Um, would a couple of your age start to think about uh, when you're talking about total retirement and travel, constant travel and stuff like that? What kind of things do you have to worry about set up?
3: Um, you know, getting a vehicle that, you know, I'll be comfortable driving, moving down the road and, you know, parking in tight spots and that, which I don't have a lot of experience with that. But, um, you know, that's. I think the main thing with RVs is just to kind of keep keep it simple, and um, you know, figuring out what kind of places do you want to stay. You know, there's different things they call like boondocking, which um, essentially you stay in, like stuff like on um, Bureau of Land Management land, that, and uh, or National Forest Service land, where you don't pay, but um, you know, there aren't you know, there aren't any hookups there, that kind of thing, but. Um, you can meet some pretty interesting people in those places too. You know, it's uh, there's a whole culture behind it that I'm just kind of learning about, which is uh, I'm looking forward
2: to. What about the insurance? How do you process the uh, the need for insurance when you have quit your job and you travel around the country?
3: Um, are we talking about like uh, insurance ta- vehicles or? Uh,
2: no, I'm talking insurance? about health. I'm talking about health insurance because uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Many times health insurance policies, they don't actually travel very well. Uh, do you, have you found one that does travel? and how? To-
3: actually, no, I haven't. That's something I have to dig into, that we're going to be going into, uh, into, into Medicare. Because uh-huh. uh, my, my wife is already 65. I'll be 65 in March. And um, my, uh, my Boeing plan is, uh, is good up to that point. But that's part of the deal. I'm good for like, you know, six months. But um, looking for uh, health insurance and health insurance that travels with you from state to state, that's, uh, that's a bridge I have to cross.
2: Yeah, that's the first one that came to my mind, was because not because it's hard to get insurance, I have insurance, but it's just because uh, the, the, the travelability of it doesn't seem to work out very well. You know, you have in in-house providers and non-in-house providers. So that I always question it. and I'm sure somebody knows that answer, but I don't. And I was hoping you maybe could I, share it with everybody.
3: I think I, I think I could help. Um, um, a, a gentleman I met um, just at a boondocking area told me there was a uh, there was an outfit in Texas where um, you're technically living in Texas, and that I think they called it. Uh, can I say the name of the company? Or
2: uh, I wouldn't, just in case uh, okay. they they happen to not be. Professional in some manner. I don't want to be okay. attached to them if I don't know
3: them. But okay. But absolutely. But apparently, there's different outfits where you can pay for a service and you get a post office box and actual address. You're technically living in Texas because I noticed all these guys had Texas plates. Now it's like, why do you have Texas plates in Washington? <laughs> and so uh, I guess even though they're uh, living in their RV, they're technically living in the state of Texas.
2: Well, there's other reasons for that that would be beneficial also. I mean, the, the t- income tax rates here, or the taxation rates are different than they are in uh, those liberal states like Washington, and Oregon, and so on and so forth. I would yeah. m- much prefer to be from Texas if possible that way, so maybe that's part of it. Um, let's talk on something else here for a second. Uh, usually I ask people about what did the people at their work think about them retiring early, but in my mind, you basically retired... What I would consider within the realm of normacy between age sixty and seventy uh type of deal, so it's not really something people look at you like, "Oh my God, you crazy dude! Why'd you retire?" But what about the the family members or friends or neighbors or relatives that found out that you've put your major investments into real estate as opposed to the stock market or you know bonds or you know the traditional type investments have anybody given you thought- pr- pushback or thoughts on that?
3: You know, I'm glad you mentioned that I've I've tried to share this with a lot of my uh, you know old friends back east and that and they're all kind of reluctant they just say like or they might say that I just don't want to start anything new at this point or um, you know I'm just too busy or I'm too tired to be able to do it and um, you know I I, I, find, I' I wish I could uh, have that light bulb go off for them you know but they used' spend uh, I didn't spend about a year listening to you every day on the drive home. You know, as I was driving up Highway 18 on Washington, just uh, hoping I didn't come with one of the guys that got killed on that road.
2: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So what about your kids? Any interest from those children? Two, two boys, I guess it was?
3: Um, yeah, um, my younger one had to talk with him about it. He, he has some interest, and uh, we're going to see if we can, uh, I might, I might end up doing a a single family unit, giving that a try and uh, like to try and get him in the call and just have him see it, see how it happens because uh, I think, well, anyone could benefit from this, but uh, especially for my younger one where he is, this could really be a a life-changing event for him.
2: Yeah, I was blessed that I found it when I was 27 and a half, 28, and by the time I was 34, I was out, so... It was uh, lucky in my life. It gave me a lot of years to be able to go around and do what I wanted to do, where I wanted to do it, and whom I wanted to do it with, and still have enough money to enjoy life. So, yeah, the younger you can get them involved, the the longer the benefit term should be or would be uh, yes. initially. So you, you've got it all set up. You're ready to go. What would be the one thing you would leave? You only got 30 seconds left. Someone, you talk to them. 30 seconds or less what would you tell somebody sitting on the sideline waiting to pull the trigger?
3: Say, do a two day seminar. And, um, if he feels right for you, go for it because the conventional way of this doing, uh, you know, doing retirement of like getting that pile of money and then just trying not to spend it for the rest of your life. There's so much more opportunity available and there's so many better ways to do it. And that, and, uh, lifestyles really is just
2: uh, it's the one that made it happen. Thank you, Terry. We appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story with the rest of you out there. Remember this, it's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Thank you for listening to the Dell Momsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught, so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Momsley Radio Show. Access
0: past show podcasts and join the conversation. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one,